0: We're running a pre-sale for $100 off. Head over to listenmoneymatters.com slash REI to learn more. That's listenmoneymatters.com slash REI for $100 off rental properties
1: for passive investors. Everybody. welcome to Listen Money Matters. It's easy to meet expenses everywhere we go; they are there. My name is Matt, and I'm here as always with Andrew. Andrew, how are you, and what are you drinking, dude? I'm good. Yeah, um, good. everyone
0: in my family is still alive, so that's, that's also yep, good. Accomplished, um, but but in order to get through the day uh-huh. without you know much sleep, I'm drinking flavored seltzer, but it has a cool name. It's called 4.0, and I was just curious if you know what that means.
1: It's 4.0% alcohol? You're drinking hard no, seltzer? No, no,
0: it's, it's alcohol-free seltzer, but you being you know the beverage master that you are, I thought you might...
1: I, I just assume it would mean 4.0% alcohol, since you're drinking hard seltzer.
0: But no. Do you know,
1: do you know <laughs> there's a... I heard, I heard about a guy who, uh, for like a month, was drinking hard seltzer, but thinking it was regular seltzer, and just... Because it tastes He sounds so good. really annoying. I want
0: like I want to meet him at a party. Yeah. 4.0 is the perfect amount of carbonation in a beverage. Oh, 4. Not too much 4. fizz that it burns. Right. And not too that's, flat where it's like boring.
1: That's kind of high. I mean, that's 4 volumes of CO2. What so what do you do I, with your beer? Mine's at 2.3 to 2.5 volumes of CO2.
0: Mm. Maybe it's different with beer. Yeah.
1: What are you drinking, dude? Uh I am drinking coffee cuz uh it's early and 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 uh, i have twins what's your I don't, excuse i don't i don't have twins uh but i don't know what my excuse is altitude all right i'll give it to all you. all right thank you um i want to thank clinton for our catchphrase today it's easy to meet expenses everywhere you go they are there so thank you very much clinton griffith thank you for that and uh we have a guest on our show today she is the director of global partnerships and the founder of Breadwinning Women at Google, and the host of her own podcast, Working Wife, Happy Life. Bethany Baines, thank you for coming on the show.
2: It's my pleasure. Thanks for having me.
1: So, you are. Uh, what do you? What do you do? What do you do at Google? What's the? What's the? What's the move there?
2: So I uh, am in our partnerships group. So essentially, we are responsible for working with people outside of our company. Um, And I personally have focused... Well, I've been here for 16 years. My 16-year anniversary was on Monday, which is insane. Wow. Mm -hmm. Um, And I focus currently on uh, our revenue metrics and ensuring we have the right business intelligence and insights in pace, both for our executives as well as for our partners externally. Um, So it's, yeah. And I've had a long career of business development and partnership relationship and media sales and all sorts of stuff.
1: And this isn't the same as like the venture capitalist thing, right? You're not, that's not that kind of partnership.
2: No, that's a different arm in terms of our investments. Yeah.
1: Okay.
0: Now, I haven't worked in Google, um, but you know, I worked at like a few companies and I I know that the title director... Yeah, right. Bing. Yeah. (laughs) I know the title director is usually like a pretty important title. Um, uh,
2: it's it's uh, I'm a very important person. Um, <laughs> yeah. No, it is. It's 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 kind of the equivalent to making partner at a law firm or something like that. Um, and it's it's definitely in some cases. Uh, I think it's interesting in the industry is sometimes you hear the title director, and that might be somebody who's generally pretty early on in their career, right? And then VP is more the standard or SVP EVP. Uh, but at Google, director is kind of what we consider the uh, leadership executive level.
0: So, how did this happen? Besides, you obviously being born into the director role.
2: I'm sure <laughs> Yeah, it was, it was a piece of cake. Um, so I actually, uh, when I applied to work at Google, uh, in two thousand three, I had read an article that. There was this great company in California that gave away free ice cream on Fridays, and <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> nothing about the search. No, then, I was right? like, this
2: is definitely a bus I can get on. This sounds fantastic. So I lobbed my resume in. I got a call back, um, and my husband was like, uh, "Do you know what they do?" And I'm like, "I have no idea," but apparently every Fridays there's ice cream and this place sounds great. Uh, (laughs) So obviously I I did some homework before I actually uh, interviewed and spoke with them to understand what they were doing. And truth be told, I came from the photography industry originally. So, and and this was in, you know, late nineties to the early two thousands where the photo industry was just becoming digitized. And I worked for companies that were really resisting that change and evolution Um, and being so young and, ambitious and just kind of seeing that I was in this world that was very resistant to change uh, Change, gave me so much insight that like, that's not where I want to be professionally. Um, Mm -hmm. And so that's why, I mean, all jokes aside about the ice cream who doesn't love ice cream, when I saw a company like Google, I was like, Oh, this seems like something that's really going to change the world. And obviously it has, um, in many wonderful ways. Uh, but it certainly changed my life and it changed, you know, my idea of what it meant to have a career and grow a career and be a professional. Um, I did not intend to be here for 16 years. Uh, but, uh, Mm. there's, you know, the ice cream is still flowing.
1: (laughs) Yeah. How, how accurate is the movie, the internship? Oh
2: gosh, good question. Uh, there's parts of it that are definitely very spot on. Um, I -hmm. think, uh, you know, because we're such a huge global company now, every, you know, every office will have its own culture or its own vibe. Like if you spend time out in the headquarters in mountain view, just culturally, it's a very different part of the world than say it is in New York, than say it might be in our Singapore office mm-hmm. or our Tokyo office. And so you get a lot of that cultural uh, surrounding into the vibe of that office and how it flows. So I think that was very representative maybe of um, early days and uh, you know Silicon Valley culture um, in some ways right. and, and some of the jokes hit a little too close to home, but, um, but you know, I mean, <laughs> okay. I'm sure it's, it's <laughs> right. certainly Hollywooded up.
1: Yeah. Cause I, I mean, with all that ice cream, you would need a nap pod. <laughs> to, I would be, imagine
2: to be totally to- clear. I've actually <laughs> never used a nap pod, but we do have them.
1: Wow. <laughs> so at Google, you found it breadwinning women. Yeah. What is that?
2: Yeah, this is so gosh, this, in my 16 years, this is my greatest accomplishment, uh, to be totally honest. Um, so I define a breadwinning woman as any woman who is the primary or sole financial earner for her household. And it's a position that I personally have been in for uh, ever since my first son was born. So I have a 12-year-old son and an 8-year-old daughter um, where I we were dual income, but I was out earning my husband literally on my maternity leave. when I got promoted.
0: Not to brag or anything.
2: Well, I mean, it's not, it's, (laughs) there's nothing that I should be ashamed of bragging about it. It was a pretty cool moment. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a lot, you know, I could, please, I could talk about this stuff for hours, but there's a lot to unpack there in terms of that dynamic shift in a relationship, in terms of what the societal expectations Mm -hmm. are and how you kind of approach that. Um, And my husband was in higher education learning. So, his, his career trajectory, while it was great, his earning potential was not compared to what was happening in tech at the time in the mid two thousands. So, um, you know, so it's something that I kind of grew into. And then actually when I came back from maternity leave, after my second child was born, my husband's company went into chapter 11. Uh, he got laid off. Um, it wasn't a shock. We knew it was going to come at some point. He survived many rounds. Um, But he had always worked from home. And so, you know, you know, with the twins, just the ability to have somebody home to handle the logistics, to provide emotional support, to, you know, receive deliveries, deal with repairmen, sick kid, all of the different nuances that happen when you're running a household. Um, If he were to look for another job, which he did, uh, they all took him outside of the home. And that was a huge sacrifice Mm -hmm. to our lifestyle and to a flexibility that we had become really accustomed to. Mm -hmm. So long story short, he decided to retire, be a full-time dad. um, And since that point, our lanes have become so clear in terms of what are his responsibilities to the family, what are my responsibilities to the family, where we kind of support and lift each other up. And how the breadwinning women's community at Google came to be is that I was having lunch with a friend of mine, and we were talking about both of us being uh, breadwinning women in our families. And she said to me, I've never met anyone who is as vocal and proud of it as you are. And that really sat with me because... There's no reason. You should right, be. It's a big achievement. Right. And there's no reason that we should let, you know, socialized standards or norms or gender expectations sit in the way of us feeling proud of our accomplishments or our partners being completely able to be supportive of them. Um, and so I started a community and it was just an email alias. So I said, let's just start the women I know who are breadwinners for their families. Let's start talking to one another and supporting one another. Um, And since that started really at the end of 2018, officially kicked off at the beginning of 2019, uh, we are almost 2,000 women strong. We are in over 20 different countries, which blew my mind in terms of the global nature of it. we ran 24 events last year in terms of, you know, either bringing in keynote speakers or providing financial resources. Uh, we had a company come in and talk to us like soup to nuts about all of the benefits that Google offers to make sure that breadwinning women are taking advantage of everything they have access to um, general meetups, luncheons, uh We've been best-selling authors in to talk about managing household logistics. Just all these different things have come up to strengthen this community. Um, and it's it's been extraordinarily rewarding and powerful and, I mean, honestly, just so much fun uh, and such a unique community. So I'm super proud of it. So
0: Bethany, before we talk about everyone, how everyone else reacted to this decision of, you know, your husband essentially retiring early and you working. I'm really curious how you guys handled it between the two of you, you know, Mm -hmm. gender roles aside. Um, were you just like cool with the one I earn all the money and then I don't know, your husband spends all the money. Was he cool with like making diaper changing his number one move and he doesn't get to, I don't know, have coworkers. It's kind of a big deal.
2: Yeah, it is a big deal. Um, You know, to be totally frank, I'm not sure we really fully understood what we were embarking on at the time. Um, But, you know, at the time I I shared an office at at Google, we kind of all sit very close to each other to uh, spur collaboration. Uh, But I shared an office with three other men, Mm -hmm. um, all of whom had stay at home wives. Mm -hmm. And it kind of was like this aha moment where I was like, wait why shouldn't we be doing that? If I'm doing the same job as these guys and I hope making the same money they are Mm -hmm. and they can afford to do this, why isn't this a solution for our family? And to be totally frank, my husband is uh, I call him the professional hobbyist. I mean, he has so many, he's a songwriter, he boxes, he surfs, he skateboards, he loves to cook. um, And he's just a super involved dad. Mm -hmm. So he has so much going on in his life. Outside of his corporate gig, anyway, that it wasn't like he was losing this part of himself that he felt a very strong affinity or identity with, and I think that's a really important part when you're making this decision because, uh, like any life change, you don't want it to spur regret or, mm. or um, you know, it any type been your of undoing anger.
0: as much as your future good.
2: Right. Right. And you want to look at it as like collectively, this is better for the whole family Mm -hmm. and everyone's going to get a little bit of what they need, but everyone's also going to sacrifice a little bit of what they had. And, um, you know, in in that terms, right? It's it's I'm sacrificing. Okay, well, I have to keep my job because now we don't have two options for insurance, or we don't have two four hundred one k plans. And so, you think about those sacrifices. And yes, for my husband, it's sacrificing that he doesn't have uh, colleagues or coworkers, even though he was working from home, he had a team and he had. You know, colleagues and he was going to meetings and he had off sites and conferences and all of that stuff, which is just mm-hmm. you're in a different world. And it was an industry, frankly, that not the higher education part, but we met in the photo industry and he continued with digital rights management. And so it was an industry that he had a lot of history in. So you go to these conferences and you're, you know, one of the old timers and you're one of the known people. And so you, you do give up that sense of it. But I think his sense of identity toward his ability to add so much stability and uh, just really a, a great foundation for our family overrode that for him. Um, so it's not something we've regretted. Uh, I can't say that each day we both wake up and we're like, yes, right. Like it's still life, you know? And, and, and I have moments where I'm like, you know, it is, its how long do I have to work, right? At what point can I start right. to dial things back? And and he has moments where like, okay, what am I doing, especially now that my children are getting older and he's got more free time and they're actually finding their own things more and more. Um, what does that look like? And so it's all an evolution. But I think, you know, as you age, you kind of have these pieces of your life that seem so kind of checked off, right? Who you're going to marry, how many kids you're going to have, where you're going to live, what school your kids are going to go to. And it seems like there's less and less variables. But the truth is that life can change. And it's really the beautiful part of it is saying, oh, I didn't expect us to end up here, but we did. And isn't it better than what we expected? Um, so right. I really hope that more families, you know, 41% of American households with children under the age of 18 are financially led by women. Um, so that's just saying wow. households with kids. Um, in in right. couples, it's about 25% of women out earn men. Um, however, this is self-reported. And it's been found that when women earn more than men, wow. actually both parties lie about it so really? men are yes men are embellishing their earnings where women are kind of shrinking away from their success um and that is what do you is, think that is it's all tied to social stigma it really is it's all tied to this idea that providing for your household is tied it is means prevent uh, financial provisions right like there's logistical provisions there's emotional provisions there's all these different ways that we mm-hmm. can think of provi- providing um, and we've typically, as a society, seen when providing you, um, as a man's job. When
1: you talk to your and so uh, coworkers who are men and and have stay-at-home wives, do you see similarities in the way that their relationships, um, play out to yours?
2: So there are in some ways, and what's funny is how often my husband and I, particularly in the sure. beginning, because now I'm so vocal about this stuff that people tend to ask me some of the nascent questions less. Um, but, you know, would always say like, how does that work? And it really was just like, okay, right. pretend that I have a penis he, and he has right. a vagina and that's how it works. It's like the same thing. <laughs> like I can say, honestly, we were um, buying a, a home oh, God. and the mortgage company kept right. asking for his W-2s. Uh, yeah. And I was like, he doesn't, have them, and they're like, "Well, how does he get paid? Who pays him?" I'm like, right, I mean, right. I guess I do. You know, it was just <laughs> such a weird thing, and I was like, "What do you ask stay-at-home moms?" And they're like, "Oh, we don't." And I'm like, "Okay, so let's just pretend that this is the flip, and that's what you're." Um... So it, sure. it's you. You get those things, and and you were talking about kind of, you know, my, am I making the money, and he's spending the money, and I think that's. Again, I do think that's tied to these gender norms, right? Where like there's this, the old sayings of like, "Oh, my wife, she just spends all the money I make." Like, it's not like that. It's not my money, his money. Like, he actually has well, a lot of his own money. If my wife all didn't
0: the- buy me clothes, I would just be naked. So,
2: right. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know what you're wearing underneath, but I yeah. can see the top. And um, no, but I, you know, it's one of those things where it's like. Relationships and families, like, sure. we've just evolved so much from this idea of, you know, who wears the pants in the family. Like, it's just not how it works anymore. And I think what's so great is knowing that my kids, so my son and daughter, are being raised in a household where they just have no gender expectations mm-hmm. of themselves uh, from what they're seeing. And they're both now of an age that they understand why. Uh, they understand why I do what I do. And I talk about what I talk about because they do, you know, see it at school pickup that it's predominantly moms or, um, you know, see that, you know, most dads will come to any type of parent teacher conference in a three piece suit. You know, they're aware of it, um, but they don't know it as their home life and their foundation. I think that's a beautiful thing.
1: You know, gender, gender stuff aside, just the idea that one person is earning everything while the other person isn't. Is there any sort of like, I mean, probably you've been doing this for a long time now, so I I'm sure you've worked out the kinks, but in the early stages, like I, I, I think about could, could resentment start to build or some sort of like your your ego gets in the way of it. Is there is, was there things that you had to work Mm -hmm. through and what were those things to sort of like get to this place where you are where are like, we got it. We nailed it. And do you think you nailed it?
2: Yeah. Well, I mean, yes and no. So what you're what you're tuning into is really important that this mm-hmm. is an evolution as a family, particularly most families are, that are in this scenario, what I call kind of the flip family, uh, don't necessarily expect to do to be there. Right. There's not a lot of and and I think it's hopefully changing with the younger generation, but not a lot of people who are walking down the aisle thinking that this is what their life may end up being. So you kind of have to go through that adjustment. Um, And I think, look, the the idea of um, the pressure of being a single income family and having that on your shoulders is not something that generation over generation women have had to bear. Um, but we are now more than ever. And and certainly when you look at communities of color, single motherhood is uh, has definitely been more prevalent in those mm. communities. So it is something that I think has been kind of silent and, and not addressed. But in terms of getting through egos and getting through, you know, how you approach your finances and how you think about managing money, how you think about investments, how you think about um, The household logistics and who does what, it takes a lot of time and understanding and open conversations. And yes, sometimes there's arguments and there can be resentment. And, you know, I really hate it when you do this, but uh, I was just talking with a friend of mine last night and we were talking about how, you know, you can get super angry at somebody that they don't scrub the bathroom as deeply as you would scrub it. But like, what is the why to that making you angry is it just because the bathroom Mm. is dirty or is it because maybe there's something about when you grew up your bathroom wasn't as clean as you wanted it it was an embarrassment for you you felt shame about it so you vowed that when you grew up and were an adult your bathroom would never be dirty and that's why it's so important for you to have a clean bathroom and when you communicate the why with your partner and they understand you know that this is actually a very meaningful thing to you versus you nagging, then you're like, Oh, I'm going to show you love by making sure that you never have that shame associated with how you mm. felt there. Um, and and this was from a friend's book that I'll just plug because I think uh, for your listeners and particularly the men, it's a really interesting approach to household labor. It's a book called fair play uh, by my friend Eve Rodsky. And it's a really phenomenal book kind of about the, the, gender division of invisible labor in the household. Um, so I think you work through all of these kinks. And and when you said, do I think I've nailed it? No. I mean, life wouldn't be fun if you think you've you nailed, nailed it, it right? right? At that point, then you just like sail off into the sunset. I have a ton more work to do. Yeah. Um, and I'm learning new things about this dynamic every day, um, yeah. both within my own family and from the community, of of how people are approaching it and how people are thinking about it and and like I said, I think my husband's at a different stage too with the kids getting older. Of like, you know, okay, what does this mean for me now? And uh, you know, we we typically that's been like a woman's thing, the empty mm-hmm. nest and and how do they find their selves themselves again now that the kids are finding their own identities? Well, where is that community for men? And and what does that mean for them as as their children age? So right. uh, I think there's very Different cycles of this that have a lot to be uncovered.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of evolution to be had.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Right. Yeah. Um. So we have to take a quick break, and we're gonna get into some more stuff. But um, you're gonna stick around, right? That's how this yeah. works. Cool. That's All how right, So works. We, we will be right back. Okay, we're back. That's the magic of editing. Um. <laughs> so a
2: super quick break.
1: Yeah, super quick break. We can take one <laughs> sip of water. Um, I want to, I mean, Andrew, do you want to pick up on anything specifically?
0: Yeah. Um, I wonder, um, and, and maybe this is, uh, like a reverse question. I'm a guy, so I'm like kind of almost instinctively thinking of your husband. Um, but, but to a degree, I'm like a stay at home dad. Laura and I have our own business. Um, and we're both home a lot and, uh, there are all of these, Well, first of all, when I walk around, it's all moms with strollers or like nannies. Mm -hmm. And they're these really robust mom groups and it's all kind of mom oriented. And I've kind of felt myself wishing that there was like some sort of dad something that I can meet the, I don't know, other two dads in town Mm -hmm. that are home. And I guess I'm curious if your husband has felt similar things or if because of the switch of roles, you've maybe had to uh,
1: invent your way yeah, or, or play
0: other roles you might not have normally as just a sole breadwinner to help him be supported?
2: Yeah, it's a great question. And I think I mean, so much of it is driven by personal uh Preferences, right? There's, there's going to be some men that really want, like you do, too, like how do I connect with other men who are in my situation. Um, there's going to be other men that are just like I, I, don't need that. I just need to connect with men in a different way. Um, so, for example, for my husband, his boxing gym is like church mm. to him. Like those are his people. He feels a deep sense of of connection and um, relief when he spends time with those people in his life, and that's been really important to him. Um, but I will say when he meets or when we've come across other families like ours, um we said there's almost like the secret handshake between stay at home dads. It's like, you just don't have to explain it. It's like, Oh, cool. All right. Do you want to go grab a beer? Mm. You know, yeah. or uh, there's something that's just so relieving. And, and I found that in the breadwinning women's community too, that, you know, once you come in and you kind of neutralize that, that space and that dance, because we don't necessarily have great language for describing what we do. Right. And, and how it all works. We're not, quite there yet as a society. And so I, I, I think there's some relief in that, like kind of neutralizing so you don't have to explain how it works all the time. Um, but there is that that sense of isolation where, and, and depending on where you live, right? So we, when our kids were very young, we were in Brooklyn. Um, now our kids are actually trying a year in the New Jersey suburbs. And it's two completely different Microcosms of society. So when my husband would volunteer chaperone at the school in Brooklyn, it was actually majority dads. And that was very cool and very progressive to see. Um, where we are now, it's actually much different and it's much more majority moms. And, uh, you know, we certainly, when the kids were younger, we termed a, coined a term called mom splaining. Uh, where my husband would constantly get mom-splained about how to care for our kids when he was out in public. And, you know, it happens to me too, but it happens like a fire hose to him. Mm, Things like, you know, she should have a hat on or you fold the stroller this way or, you know, watch out, he's walking two steps behind you. You know, things that he's just like, I got it, you know, like yeah, I, I yeah. do this all day, every day, or you go to the grocery store, it's like, oh, it's dad's day, dad's duty, you know, right. or, you know, it's it just so, so those things are on a good day, it can make you laugh on a bad day, it can be very Thank harmful. You.
1: Yeah, I just think about why is it that we have to find our own genders to find comfort?
2: Mm. I don't know. Why
1: can't, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like, why can't. Andrew, why can't you find like, okay, maybe it's like a majority of women. Maybe it's, you know, 60% women in this group of like moms and dads, like just, you know, people taking care of children. I don't understand understand why it has to be just, you have to find the same gender to find comfort. I I guess I don't know. I don't have have the question. I I don't know if I would, I would have the answer, but I, I feel like
0: both genders are maybe perhaps a bit like exclusionary. You know, like yeah. if it was a bunch of dads hanging out and a mom came by, the, the conversation would change gears. Uh, isn't, that isn't that good, though? I, yeah, I don't know. I, think,
2: I think it's well, I think it can be both. Right. Because it, it, I don't know if it's a good, bad question, but like, I think, sure. yeah, right. you know, look, I'm in tech. So when I go to a tech conference or I go to a leadership conference, like I'm definitely in the minority. And Mm. there's a time, there's times that that's super intimidating. There's times that that's super empowering. I'm like, okay, great. Um, I get to be here as a voice for all other women that aren't actually in this room and highlight some things. Or, um, frankly, most of the time I'm like, this is just fun. Here's some buddies. Let's hang out. Let's do this. You know? So I I think it can be both, but I will say, um, I was at a leadership event and it was for women And uh, as part of like the the social hour, they invited a bunch of our male VPs to come and join us. And when a friend of mine came in, he was like, oh, my God, this is so intimidating walking into a room full of women. And I was like, well, welcome to my life. But truth be told, before he walked up to us, we were talking about hot flashes. So... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the conversation does change. And I, I I love that he felt that same level of intimidation that women can sometimes feel in those environments. But there's also this human nature, right? You want to have a shared experience with somebody. It's a very humanistic thing to seek out people that are like yourselves. Like I, I don't think there's any malice in it. Um, but I do think particularly for any underrepresented group, group, stay-at-home dads being one of them at this point, I think there's 16 mm-hmm. to 17% of all stay-at-home parents, but there's fewer of them. And so that desire to find one another and build that community and share experiences and learnings and struggles is, is going to be strong. So I, I don't know what that looks like yet. Um, but at some point I do think there's, there's actually a, it's a stay at home dad network. There's a national network for it. Um, and they might be interesting, uh, people for you guys to look into, but, um, you know, I, I, there's so much there. I don't know exactly what the right answer is, but I think there's different ways to think about it. Uh,
1: what are you guys talking about within the group? What's the, like, what's the hot topic right now? And is there, is there like, um, do you guys have like materials that you like when a new person comes into the community you have like a kind of a base for them to to sort of you know, get adapted yeah. into the community. Is there you now? How 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 like yeah? How crazy? Does I'd, it I'd get? love
2: to say we're as buttoned up as you made that all sound. It's still very grassroots. Um, my <laughs> goal for 2020 is to get yeah. it a little bit more um, formalized. We're actually designing a logo, so that's exciting. Um, but this is in addition to everyone's day job, right? So this is purely volunteer basis, um, including my right. own. And um, you know the one thing that Google's tools do is that you can actually see the archive of all the conversations that happened. And we're working on kind of distilling some of the key resources that we've brought to bear. So they're a little bit more easily discoverable. Um, but we really, you know, some of the hot topics going on around right now are, um, there was a, study with leanin.org and McKinsey that just came out. They do it every year, women in the workplace. And one of the things that they found is one of the biggest uh, deterrents to senior levels of management is what they call this, um, the broken rung. And they're basically saying that jump from being an individual contributor to becoming a people manager is where we lose a lot of women. Um, My gut is that tends to be the timing when women are starting their families and you know it's it's um cuz
0: i would think women would be more predisposed to that than men
2: in terms of like um
0: collaborating in large groups uh kind of coordinating people without like you know slotting everyone or, or i know. don't
2: think that it's the women that don't want it i think it's a mm. kind of opportunity gap in terms of how we're placing women into leadership opportunities um and you know that's a very broad blanket statement, and certainly I could point to plenty of instances where that has and hasn't happened. Um, but that is where we're seeing kind of the biggest drop off of women's opportunity to grow and to earn in their in their careers. And so we're we're talking a lot about that internally, about um, you know having panels and mentors about how women have gotten past that broken rung here at Google. Um, we actually had a thread about, you know, sh- is there a way for us to get all of the stay-at-home dads of the breadwinning women? And and I do want to share, too, that in our community, it's not just women like myself in a heteronormative, you know, w- relationship with children. Mm. We have single women. We have single mothers. We have widows. We have divorcees. Uh, we have some grandmothers. We have women in same-sex marriages. Um, we have, you know, just every... Woman who is earning and and leading her household financially, regardless of what that household looks like or is made up like. Um, So that's what's really impactful is how broad this is because even so, a woman in a same sex marriage may not have the same issues with the household logistics because, you know. She and her wife were probably raised with you know, similar gender norms. They're already bucking the gender norms and being in a same-sex relationship in that sense. And so they might figure out their household logistics a little bit differently. Um, but when they walk out their front door the way society views them as a working woman or working parent, uh, the way the things they face in terms of the workplace, like all of those things apply to them as well. So it's finding those common threads and, and building resources and programming that speaks to that.
0: You know, uh, it's interesting, ha- just having had kids, and, and a lot of my life is kind of like around that, uh, the, the men of like the generation before me, um, I think we're just really not expected largely to be involved with taking care of kids or certainly didn't put in the time that the women did. And it really shows with how they mm-hmm. interact with kids, you know, like they could play on the floor, but when it comes to actually like doing the work, like not so much kind of oblivious. Um, now I don't know, or I imagine most, maybe a half of the women in, in your, in your Uh, community aren't mothers, but I'm sure a large amount are. uh, How does the kind of gender roles, expectations around motherhood play into being a breadwinner? Because I think there's a lot of expectations on both ends.
2: Yeah. So I, I think moms experience guilt more often than dads do. Um, and, and I don't know how much of that is stuff we put on ourselves, how much we are, you know, seeing in terms of, you know, I call it like the Pinterest, like the the Pinterest momhood, where it's like, you have to have the perfect snack for snack day. And, you know, you kind of hold yourself to this crazy standard. And if I don't do that, I'm not a good mom. And it's like, I'm pretty sure my kid's, don't even remember when it was my snack day, right? So, but you put this pressure on yourselves. Um, But you mentioned the older generation. And I think that's, what's been really interesting on this journey is particularly, you know, folks that are, you know, my parents or my in-laws age. There's a lot of men uh, that have shared with me that they wished they had had the opportunity to spend that kind of time with their children. And so they're kind of in that stage where they look back and like, oh, man, that is just so wonderful that you get to do that. Um, And on the flip side, I've heard a lot of people say, well, like, but who does all the mom work then? Right? So like, you you, you have these things that are, it's just going to take time. For us to adjust and understand, um, but I think it's it's just a joy to engage in your children's lives and to do it equally and have it be a team. It's just it's just more fun. Um, and you know, you when you're getting up with them in the middle of the night and you're changing the diapers and you're showing up to daycare when they have a fever and you're going to, you know, the five minute concert at noon at their school that lasts, you know, that's like they're up on stage for a minute and a half picking their nose. Like, those are the pieces you remember, right? And those are the places that really have impact to your life. And if you, whether you're a working wife or a working man or a working woman, if if you don't make the time for those things in your life, or you work for a company that doesn't allow you to take advantage of those things in your life, like, what? bigger impact does that have to society, right? Like those are really the things that your kid is going to look out there and have confidence that somebody is out there watching them and that they are important to somebody. So that kid's going to grow up and feel really good about themselves. Like the the reciprocal yeah. impact of this stuff is huge. And we are so focused on the immediacy of the loss of that hour, the loss of that time, the loss of that money. And I just think the impact is so much greater than that.
0: I think you, you hit on something interesting with the whole mm-hmm. like competing snack time. Um, my brother-in-law was kind of telling me how like a lot of the moms are competing for the stuff with, with his kid. And, you know, that's all in well and good. And I, I think you're absolutely right that the, mm-hmm. the kids won't remember this. You know, my babies won't have any mm-hmm. idea probably anything after three, you know, and if they even remember three. But how does that affect you? not being a mom you know in line competing for snack day because you're at work is that like so
2: i think uh, the glory of age and uh you know having some experience with this is i just don't give a shit anymore Right. Like I, and, and you have to get to that <laughs> yes. space. And I think there's something great about being a woman mm. in her mid 40s that I can feel that way and be confident with it. I did not have that confidence in my 30s in that sense. So I, I felt that, you know, the Halloween costumes had to be perfect. And the, you know, perfect example, the first uh, Halloween for my son, this has nothing to do with being a breadwinner, but it does have to do with being a parent. I had bought him a lobster costume, which he, absolutely hated. Uh, and of course in my mind, this was our first Halloween and he was going to wear the perfect costume that probably cost me $80 from pottery barn. And we were going to go trick or treating in the neighborhood, which is stupid because he can't even like eat oatmeal. Right. I mean, the whole thing was ridiculous. And when I finally wrangled him into this costume and I'm sweating, I I'm like, get the fucking camera, take a picture. You know, it was all of 20 minutes It was horrifically stressful. No one enjoyed it, but I had built it up in my mind that this was going to be this incredible memory that we're making. And now it is because it's a funny joke and the pictures of my son screaming like he's being boiled as a lobster. Um, And and it's just like this buildup of what we think it all has to look like. And that's where I really want men and women to forgive themselves of what, you know, and give themselves permission that it's not what it should be. It's not how it should be. It doesn't have to look like this for fucking Instagram. Like make your life interesting. The more we conform to something that is so shiny, the more you set yourself up for letting yourself down. And I just think there's so much more to life than that.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh, I, it feels like, cause I, I feel like I, I constantly think about the relationship that I have and and how we, you know, how money and 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 even like fame, right? I was worri- I was always worried about this idea that like, what if one of us became very famous, mm-hmm. right? And how would we react in our house with each other? Like, is there, you know? So I worry constantly about like not building resentment, and I worry about like, um, like when I, when if we're in a fight or something happens that I have to set aside, like I almost have to take like an out of body experience to be like, what you, what are you doing right now? And my question is, is that to me that's self awareness, mm-hmm. and I and I and I pride myself on practicing a very, I like to practice self awareness more than I feel feel like a lot of people I know. How much of all of this, um, being being like that, things are being reversed that that um, that we are evolving as a a culture relies so much on on us practicing more self awareness so that we can grow.
2: You know, it's great that you said all that because just as you were saying that you often have to stop yourself and think, is this building resentment? Is this going to be problematic to my relationship? I, I would say that's it. It's just being cognizant of these things and then having the conversation. I mean, that's the thing is the stuff mm-hmm. gets sticky, right? And, and it feels uncomfortable yeah. and it's easier in the moment to just kind of swallow it down and move forward. But the more yeah. that you... Talk it through, and like I was saying before, get to that why, and and get to uncovering what's making you feel gross about it, or yeah. what's making you question it. That's where you start to uncover. You know, a is this even as big a deal to your partner as it is to you? Um, and right. if it's not, then let's uncover why it's such a big deal to you. Um, and so there's there's all of these things that you just kind of have to look through. And when you're talking about like the fame stuff, I. When I hear that, what I think of is protection. That you want to protect what the sanctity of your relationship, and you want to protect that your privacy, and you want to, you know, there's success and all that other stuff. Go ahead.
1: Well, that's what I mean. Really, is like instead of fame in in the sense that like uh, paparazzi type of fame, I mean like uh, I mean success, right? Like, what if you know when when someone does earn more, regardless of the gender, how do you? You have to be the person who's not getting mm-hmm. that, maybe f- starts to build mm-hmm. resentment. And so you have to say to yourself, like, well, hold on. Uh, I have to set my ego aside or I have to look at my ego like, am I just saying these things or am I just doing these things because, you know, I feel it should be the opposite. Well,
2: and it's also uncovering, like, why is the only value add money? Right. Like that's because right. as a capitalistic mm-hmm. society, that's what we place in terms of what success means. Mm-hmm. But isn't there success to having a fulfilled and enriched life? Is there success to right. my children not being latchkey kids? And and I know we're very fortunate in that we're able to have a single income household, but that to mm-hmm. me is extraordinarily successful that my husband is able to manage that and you know, manage the logistics of their lives and their varied interests and still have a very positive and fun relationship with them. Because if I was in that role, I don't know that I would be as lighthearted and enjoy it as much as my husband does. I mean, maybe, but I'm not in that role. And so it's that redefinition when I was talking about earlier about redefining what providing for your family means, redefining what success means and why we tie so much of this up to with monetary success. Um, It also helps that I love my job, right? Like if I was toiling away at a career that I couldn't stand, it would be a much different Mm -hmm. uh, formula for us, you know?
1: Yeah. And I think too, like you think about, um, you know, there is, there's practicing that self awareness, but I do think that, and and I, I'm, I'm assuming this is the case for you is extreme Mm -hmm. communication like almost like if if someone heard your conversation with with within your relationship it would be like wow they're really talking about everything because i mean for me that has always been the it's always yeah. the cure you know if with if, if ever there's a problem if ever there's like an imbalance or or it, you know i start to feel resentment being built in either direction we're like all right stop now it's time to talk for five yeah. hours about this and really, and really kind of like dive and, you know, get to the why. Yeah. Well, as children
2: come that five hours becomes very hard to come by, but it's, it, but, it, but it's something. <laughs> right, okay. and, and I think, that's fair. you know, for us, it wasn't, we didn't have a roadmap and that's really why I do the work that I do is mm-hmm. I want to, you know, if I could look at my 33 year old self and say, you're going to be fine, that would have been awesome. But I yeah. didn't have anybody like that. And so mm-hmm. to get people uh, aware of this stuff earlier in the relationship. So they can have that moment to pause. We were kind of building the plane as we flew it. Right. And, and so we, we've learned a lot right. of these things. Um, but it's also important to me that, you know, we're, we're just both getting what we want out of life. And I think we get so constrained by, I'm a parent, I'm a worker, I'm a, you know, take care of the household. I do all these things. It's like, okay, but what do you want out of your life? And um, how do I support you in that? And how do we find time for that? And um, also my husband's like my biggest champion and, and that really helps. And I think it's also like, he doesn't see me as, I mean, he does, but it's not like he's looking at me like, oh, my wife, she's so successful and she's so great at this. And the way she talks, he's just like, you're a hot mess. Like, what is going on with you? I can't believe it. Like, you know, like I said before this podcast, he's like, please tell right. me you're not going on as a financial expert. <laughs> like, you know, these are the things. It's just my house. Right, I'm, just, right, I'm just mom. Right. I'm just Bethany. I'm just <laughs> yeah. those things. So, like, you know, it's just having that self-awareness, yes. being able to laugh at yourself and and being able to, you know, just kind of stay on the same page. Mm-hmm. like. Are you comfortable with how this is being presented? Are you comfortable with this type of conversation? Those things.
1: Right. And where, I mean, so you have this community um, and there are obviously people listening who resonate with this or want to resonate with it. Where can people go to find out more about what you're doing?
2: Yeah. Um, so you can certainly visit my website, which is just bethanybaines.com. Uh, explains a bit about my journey and a bit about the work that I do and some of the places that I've, I've spoken. Um, but I'm also launching a podcast called Working Wife, Happy Life. Uh, so they can certainly join those conversations. And it's not all about breadwinning women. Um, so uh, we will have you know folks on who are entrepreneurs who talk about women-led companies and what VC funding looks like cool. for, for those who are... Are trying to raise. Uh, I have a woman coming in who's an expert on advanced negotiations and getting women onto board seats for corporate governance. And what does that look like? So kind of all these different aspects of both being a working woman, uh, parenthood, uh, as well as uh, resources across households, emotional labor, that type of stuff.
1: That's awesome. And when does, that, when does that launch
2: Uh, so hopefully it is going to be launching by, uh, the last week in January. Excellent. So if you're listening to this after that, uh, please find us on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Exactly. Well, Bethany, thank you so much for coming on the show.
2: Yeah, this was wonderful guys. So great to meet you. Thank you for everything.
1: Yeah. And I, and I wish you good luck on your podcast. We, I know that we've had some technical issues today and hopefully you won't run into those. We're, we're glad to help if we can.
2: No, it's, it's lovely to see, and it, it's making me feel more seen, so I appreciate that.
1: Uh, and listen, if you missed anything in this show, um, we'll have everything in the show notes, all the links you know, to your podcast, all of that. You can either check your preferred podcast app, or you can visit listenmoneymatters.com slash show. And please subscribe wherever you normally listen to podcasts. You know, that could be iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, P- Pocket Cast. I don't even know. Does Google have Google one? Play, Google, Google Play. Google Play. There you go. Uh, <laughs> and tell your friends about us and point them to your favorite episodes. Perhaps it's this one. And hopefully they'll become a subscriber as well. And if you have any questions or you that you want us to talk about on future episodes or maybe questions that we had for this show that you want to ask and maybe we have you back on, please email us, listenmoneymatters at gmail.com. And of course, all the tools and resources that we normally mention on this show are available at listenmoneymatters.com slash toolbox. Thank you so much for coming on the show.
2: My pleasure. Thank you, guys. All
1: right. See you. Guys. Bye. Later.
0: Please tell your friends about this show. <laughs>